Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, welcome back. Chris Gordy Show, Sports 1280 New Orleans. Continue to talk a lot about the NFL and training camp. Saints uh, count down to their first preseason game of the preseason coming up on Friday against the Minnesota Vikings. But the evaluation process, it continues. Not just because the draft ended and you drafted these guys and, all right, let's throw them out there. Now the, the, the evaluation process continues on these guys. Who's good enough to make the team? And who's going to make that ultimate 53-man roster? And join us now to talk a little bit about that. And uh, the draft and everything else is uh, Matt Manicherian, a former NFL scout for the Saints and the Browns. He's the uh, director of football and research at Sports Info Solutions. Matt, what's going on, man? What's happening? you got to love this this, uh, time of year, huh? Yeah, it's uh it's fun. I mean, it's it, here's the thing though, Matt, like after the first preseason game, we get all hyped and excited and then maybe kind of for the second one too, but once we get to that third and certainly the fourth one, we're like, all right, let's be done with this. Let's get the football that counts. Yeah, let's do the real thing already. Uh but yeah, I love I love opening kind of unwrapping the gifts. Is I feel like what's going on right now, but then for sure we want to see them in, in live action. I wanted to get your thoughts, Matt, because this is uh, just one of those things that that's kind of interesting to me. When you know, when you're a scout for an NFL team, a lot of your work is done in those you know those January, February, March months. All the you know the Senior Bowl and leading up to the draft and evaluating and all this. And you know, you're in the war room on draft night and trying to decide who you're going to take. Are we going to move up and get this guy? But you know, some people kind of think of it as well after the draft that's done and. Honestly, it's only just beginning for a lot of these guys. And for you as scouts, you know, there might be a guy that you stood up for in that war room who said, hey, no, this, I believe the evaluation of this guy. Let's take him. You kind of become invested in that guy when you start to watch him at training camp and through the preseason. And it, was there a time or two that you look at a guy and go, oh, no, I think we might have missed on this guy? Man, I, I can definitely tell you, I remember just going back to my first camp in New Orleans uh, when we had Malcolm Jenkins in. It was one of those things where it was right away, there was a little bit of a holdout, but right away once he got there, everybody knew immediately that this guy was the real deal. You put him in at slot corner and he was doing amazing things. You put him at safety, he was doing amazing things. He knew the defense, like Jonathan Vilma knew the defense right away. Um, you saw the study habits and the leadership. It was just one of those where it was like, okay, we got this one. Um, a, a similar scenario, I remember the, the Akeem Hicks year. We just had a third-round pick was the, the only the first pick that we had. So it was kind of like, we really don't want to miss on this guy. <laughs> um, and you got him in there, and it was, ooh, is he a little bit soft-bodied? You know, you couldn't tell. He's almost a little bit like baby weight kind of type thing. Now look at Akeem Hicks. I mean, it's almost silly to think that, that we weren't sure at the time. Um, but it, it's definitely, it's always something. And then there will be the guys that just get out there and you start thinking, oh, my God, yeah, this is not going well. 
um, Montez Wilson, was that his name? Mar- Martez, the, the Mar- yeah. Martez Wilson, yeah. Um, he was a guy that we discussed, you know, like you said, that whole senior bowl and talking through all the pre-draft meetings, and then finally we decided to take a shot on him, uh, and it was, uh, it was, oh, wow, he is body beautiful. This guy just looks like if you were drawing a, a football player, what you'd want him to look like and the athleticism, but he never put it together. And when you started to talk to him, and really when you started to have conversations with him, you got a sense pretty quickly that, that this wasn't going to be a guy that was going to fit into a room with, with Jonathan Vilma. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting that year's draft. I mean, the first two picks ended up becoming you know franchise-type players in 2011. Cameron Jordan with the 24th pick, and then trading up, uh, you know, obviously Sean wanted to get the running game going more, so traded the, the next year's first to go up against Mark Ingram, and obviously both those guys, a big part of what the Saints have done for the past uh, eight years, but the, like you said, the two third-round picks that year, Martez Wilson and Johnny Patrick, I remember watching Johnny Patrick in the first preseason game and going, oh man, this guy can't play, he can't cover, and so it is, it's just an interesting standpoint of the evaluation process, and some guys you hit, some guys you miss, but you, you don't really know until you see them out on the practice field throughout preseason and then, or, or throughout training camp and then in the preseason games. Yeah, and then with Patrick Robinson, you know, it's one thing with Greg Williams, when we switched over to, to Spagnolo, and he was having to learn all of these zone concepts and combination, you know, really complicated, like Saban-type stuff that, that, that was being run. He was just, you know, just had no clue what was going on at all. He's had a little bit of a career resurgence moving into the slot, I think, in Philadelphia. But, um, yeah, that was one where it was just, first of all, like you said, the miss. Uh, but then second of all, when the scheme didn't match his skill set, that's, that's another thing that, you're not necessarily planning for, you know, a defensive coordinator change as you're out on the road scouting the guy the whole year. And going back to the beginning of what you were saying, the, the most of the draft process on TV happens from January to April, but the real scouting process happens from August through November. Uh, right. This is when most of the work is getting done. This is the meat and potatoes. So even though scouts are, you know, out of sight, out of mind right now, we're already at that point of the year where they're leaving training camp from the NFL team. They might have spent the last two weeks there seeing their own guys, seeing how the rookies look, all that kind of stuff. But now you're already on the road and you're starting to visit those college camps that are opening. Yeah, and I'm sure there's probably a Saints scout at Ohio State's camp right now because they seem to have a lot of Ohio State players on the roster right now. And it's funny, you mentioned Patrick Robinson, how it kind of comes full circle. They end up signing him in free agency last year. Now he got hurt and uh, didn't play much last season, but they're expecting big things out of him uh, this year. And it's just funny how things could come back around full circle that, you know, okay, it didn't work out the first time around, but you're really good now, so we want you back. And they end up signing him last year to a big uh, free agent contract. So kind of funny how that works. Uh, I want to ask you, Matt, does the – you know, when we talk about the scouts going to bat for certain guys, and is this your guy? I mean, do the coaches kind of hold you guys to that? If they're going through camp and the guy's getting his butt beat, do they look at you and go, hey, good evaluation there? I mean, do they hold you guys accountable to the guys that you stood up for? For sure, but that's but that's a really bad way to go about it because uh, I think whenever we did a, a bad job at things, it was finger-pointing, it was this is my guy, this is your guy. And whenever we did a good job of drafting people, like you take Cam Jordan, that was – Pure consensus. Um, Terry Wooden was on, on him, scouting him his entire college career. He knew the player like the back of his hand. He knew that he wanted him, identified it early, felt comfortable taking him wherever we were going to have that first pick in that round. 
and the coaches saw it. They were on board. The rest of the scouting department, the cross-checks saw it. They were on board. When you have that kind of consensus and you have a situation where everybody's bought into it, then it's really hard to point fingers. Um, and unfortunately, when, when you have a situation where there's not consensus, that's part of the reason why it's so easy for things to go south because they, there can be different agendas. I want to get your thoughts, Matt, on the uh, some of the rookies this year. And I love the uh, the draft, uh, the rookie handbook that you guys put out, the SIS uh, Football Rookie Handbook, because I use that a lot throughout you know the draft process and kind of looking at guys. And as the, as the Saints were drafting guys throughout the draft process, I'm going to the handbook and kind of saying, all right, what did they did they did they reach here? Is this a guy that they got good value on? And just about every guy that they drafted. According to your guys' rankings, they got really good value on. I'm just kind of curious what you make of some of the draft picks in this class because you know, I saw Jeff Duncan, who covers the team, uh, tweeted tweeted out yesterday. He said, it wouldn't surprise me if all five players from this Saints rookie class develop into regular contributors or starters at some point in their careers. Curious what you thought of uh, some of the picks in this draft, uh, starting with uh, the center, Eric McCoy. Yeah, the Saints have had a few really good drafts, I, I think, since bringing Jeff Ireland on. And uh, Eric McCoy is is just such an example of what they've done in terms of they rebuilt the offensive line and now they're they're continuing to do it. You know, I don't think they're really going to miss a beat at the center position because of Eric McCoy. There were a lot of great centers in the draft this year. Um, he received a six point seven grade in our scale, which is a strong starter grade by during his first contract. And this is a guy that fits right into what the Saints want to do, fits in great with Drew Brees. So he stands out for his athleticism and body control more than being a big mauler type. Um, but what's great about him is that things don't move too quickly for him in the, on the inside. He's not displacing defensive linemen, but he has the range and ability to get to the second level. 60% of his plays in college were zone runs. At Texas A&M, they're running a lot of that zone-running offense. That's what you're going to see Sean Payton is going to like to do with the base of his kind of stuff. You're going to see a lot of zone stuff from the Saints, and they built their offense out from there. That really fits into his skill set. And then, of course, you talk about pass protection. You need somebody with a strong anchor in front of Drew Brees. I remember a study that we did 10 years ago just looking at how deep does the defensive tackle get into the pocket and how well does Drew Brees play. And there's a direct correlation that's really unsurprising. So this is a guy, strong anchor, good redirect, shows awareness to handle the games. Breeze, I'm sure, already loves him. And, you know, for this year, one thing that's nice is Drew's going to continue making all of the offensive line calls. He can handle all that responsibility, and he's going to have the final say over anything anyway. That's just how nine's going to do business. But that's really nice from the perspective of a rookie center where you can kind of sit in there and know that you don't have to be so worried about being right all the time because nine can correct it behind you. And, uh, you know, the stats on this guy, just six blown blocks last year, a blown block percentage under 1% in both the run game and the pass game, just just 1.6 yards before contact on runs to his gap. But, again, that's not what he is. This isn't a mauler who's going to come out, you know, and move people. This isn't Jari Evans uh, that we're talking about here. Um, but this is somebody who can anchor that pocket in a way that I think is, is a, a real comfort to breathe. You know, if you're off front, even front, whatever it is, he, he can fit right in there. So no surprise that, that he's kind of front and center in that in that offensive line competition there. 
and five, six practices now where he's run with the first team. So it's it's his position to lose now, but tremendous value you get when you don't have a first-round pick and you trade up and get this guy with the 48th overall pick. Every, everything I've read, you know, most people had either a back end of the first-round grade or early second-round grade on him and uh, certainly got good value on him. Uh, the Saints last year, they took two DBs in the, in the middle to late rounds in Natrell Jamerson and Cameron Moore, and it didn't work out with either of them. But the two safeties they took in the middle to late rounds this year in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida and Saquon Hampton out of Rutgers, both guys seem to be performing very well in training camp. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, though, from everything I've read on him, is that they got good value on him getting him at the 105th pick. Crazy, crazy value, uh, in my opinion, there. You'll find, you know, with positions like center, you don't find as much of a difference in grades from different draft analysts in different places. So there were a lot of good centers in the draft, and it's not surprising that the Saints playing smart value. They were able to get a good one. And, and what you were saying, Sean Payton loves telling the Wally Pitt story. I don't think Eric McCoy is going to get Wally Pitt anytime soon. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, he's, he's going to take that spot. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, we have a strong starter grade on him as well. And what stands out with him is the versatility. So understanding what he did in college, where in Florida they ran a three-three-five, He spent 92% of his time in the slot last year. This is not your typical deep, deep safety, just 4% of the time playing in the deep part of the field, just 4% of the time playing in the box, 92% in the slot. So it gives you an idea of what his usage is. It's kind of that money backer role that people talk about, more in the mold of a, a Tyron Matthew than maybe some of the standard safeties that we talked about in the past, maybe more in the, in, in the mold of you know the guy we were talking about a minute ago, Malcolm Jenkins. Um, now, Stands out for his ability in man coverage, just 4.2 yards per target in man coverage. Really good stat last year. Shows some blitz ability. And only one touchdown allowed in coverage over three college seasons, and that was as a true freshman. Um, so it gives you an idea of what he is kind of there. Now, what's the red flag on him? He had some tackling issues early in his career. Um, missed a lot of tackles his first two seasons at Florida. Played much better in that regard last year, but... You know, maybe that's a contract year sort of thing where guys, you know, magically start to tackle better when the NFL is looking at them. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on there. But the fit, I think, is kind of automatic with this defense and kind of seeing where he's sliding right into the slot and doing some of that kind of different kind of safety stuff that the, that the Saints like to do, uh, messing around with their coverages last year. Any thought on their, their two seventh-round picks? They get Alizé Mack, the tight end out of Notre Dame, and Caden Ellis, a linebacker from Idaho. I, I heard from a, a couple different people. I think Rob Rang said that Caden Ellis, he saw him at his, at his pro day and was just like, this guy can play in the NFL. Uh, any thought on either of those guys getting value on them in the seventh round? I think any time they, they, you can stock up on these late-round picks, I think that's always something that you want to be able to do. So um, both these guys, I think, are going to have a chance to contribute. I think that the way that's going to be really key for them to get in the beginning is going to be special teams. It, it's really hard to make a team as a, a linebacker with uh, in a late-round draft pick if you're not contributing on that special teams. But at the same time, there, there's a ready-made path to, uh, to making the team for you there. So I think it starts there, um, and then you, know, you build up and you have the competition like, like you do all the time. Um, and at the end of the day, Coach Payton and uh, Mickey Loomis, the way that they're going to be handling things is it's not going to come because they selected you at a certain place. It could be undrafted guys. Um, it's going to be a competition, and, and the best players are going to make the team, and that's been a strategy that's worked pretty well for them recently. 
I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, Marcus Davenport, they traded up for last year in the middle of the first round uh, to go get him out of UTSA. And it's interesting because he actually had a nice rookie year. He had four and a half sacks as a rookie. But everything I've always read on first round pass rushers is that it's always year two it takes for for it to really click for those guys. A lot of them, you know, only have one, two sacks as a rookie. But by year two and definitely by year three is when it all starts to click for them. I'm just curious, your philosophy on on first-round pass rushers, is that kind of what you've seen through the years, that typically year two is when they have that big breakout year? Yes, um, I think that that's really consistent. The biggest position that we see um, big breakouts actually from year one to year two is that wide receiver. Um, we see huge advancements in it. We have a metric called total points, which kind of measures total value on the football field. We see huge steps forward, um, and you guys have a, a particular second-year receiver that I think could fit into that category. Um, help me out here. Traquan uh, Smith? Traquan, yeah. Um, Traquan was a guy that we loved coming out, great speed. Um, you see the body on him. Uh, he's somebody that could be interesting. Um, to take a big step forward in the second year. Now, with Davenport, you're falling into a little bit. We talked about the trade-up for Mark Ingram. The Davenport move was a lot like that, where Mark Ingram would have had to have such a good career to justify kind of trading up in that scenario to get him that it almost put him in a hole to start with in kind of the way you're evaluating him. I think that's where Marcus Davenport is, where you traded up for him, and it makes you feel like even though he had a pretty good rookie season, for it to be worth it, you expect kind of like a double-digit sack guy. Now, the good news is I think Davenport was more of a tools guy than a ready-made prospect, so I think there is more room for him to continue to improve. And, yes, to your point, um, it's very rare if you see a rookie actually get into that double-digit sack range, much more common as they get into the second and third years of the career. They understand the different pass rush games, how to beat NFL offensive tackles, those sorts of things, where they can let the athleticism take over. So I do agree with you there. Yeah, playing opposite Cam Jordan can't hurt either, and uh, and loosen up some of those double and triple teams that Cam Jordan has gotten throughout the years. Uh, Matt yeah, Manichari- it's not going to be sliding his way. <laughs> Matt Manichari, and a director of football research over at uh, Sports uh, Sports Info Solutions. Uh, SportsInfoSolutions.com is the website. Uh, Matt, I can't speak more highly enough about the uh, rookie handbook that you guys put out uh, leading up to the draft because it, it was it was a must-have for me leading up to the draft and kind of uh, getting to know a lot of the positions. And like I said, watching the draft, I mean, I'm flipping the pages going, okay, is this good value? Is this bad value? What's what's the grade here? So I, I can't speak more highly enough and looking forward to, to, to next off season when uh, when you guys put out the next one. I appreciate that, and I encourage people to uh, to keep the rookie handbook by them on Sundays throughout the NFL season. Um, these are names and faces that are going to be popping up more. And you're going to be saying, "Who's this guy? What, what's he doing?" Uh, <laughs> wherever you're looking around the league, definitely for your fantasy teams and things like that. So um, it's still available on uh, Amazon.com, and you can always follow our stuff at SportsInfo underscore SIS on Twitter, and I'm personally at Matt Mano M A T T N A N O. Matt, great stuff, man. Good catching up, and uh, let's do this again real soon. Let's do it. Thanks. Thanks, man. Matt Manicherry and their director of uh, football research uh, for uh, Sports Info Solutions, and uh, he's former former scout with the Browns and the Saints. And I love to get some stories, of, you know, from him from his time at the Saints because you know there was some interesting dynamics there, and he brought it up. You know, when they drafted Patrick Robinson, they transitioned defense from Greg Williams. And you know the Steve Spagnola comes in. He's got this, you know, basically looks like the Greek alphabet with some of the plays that he's running, the system he's running, and that's why Patrick Robinson didn't work out the first time around. Now here he is years later, and 
a little bit more simplified defense with Dennis Allen running things, and hopefully he'll be way more effective this time around. It's Chris Gordy Show, Sports 1280. We'll grab a break. We'll come back and uh, wrap things up. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.